Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. News Kids Director for First Baptist Church, New Philly. Um, Good News Kids is a ministry opportunity that we get to go out into the community and put on um, a six-week uh, Bible uh, club for kids, um, kid, kindergarten all the way through fifth grade. Uh, it's really exciting. We get to go in and just right in their facility at their school. Uh, they come when the bell rings and we do some snacks and games and uh, worship songs, activities. We teach them Bible verses. Um, and ultimately, we are able to give them the gospel. Uh, we've seen a lot of kids come to salvation through the Good News Kids. Um, we also put on a week-long uh, camp in the summer, uh, similar to a Bible school. Uh, and it's really exciting because our own home kids get to be there. And we have a huge team of volunteers that comes together uh, to be able to put on both the, the clubs uh, during the school year and then the camp in the summer. Um, how I started out in Good News Kids, uh, we started years ago. Uh, we just had one club and one school. And I remember knowing that I wanted to be a part of it. So I love working with kids. That's uh, one of my favorite things to do, uh, is to be involved. And I did not want to go up in front of anyone. I was very nervous. And I remember telling the leaders at the time, like, only put me with, like, the snack and the kids. Like, I did not want to be uh, in front of anyone. I did not want to teach or do anything like that. And so, but God had other plans. And so, um, as time went on, um, we started to get more involved in it, and uh, we started to have other schools um, that we were able to get into, and so um, then uh, God just kind of led me into doing some puppets and writing puppet scripts for the Good News Kids, um, and then ultimately I started teaching, um, just overcame that, knowing that this is what God called me to do. Um, I took a class through our church uh, called MTT, Ministry Tools and Training, and we started working on what our spiritual gifts were. And God pretty much just kind of shouted it out to me with a giant arrow to say, hey, this is your, your gift. You have the gift of teaching and communicating to kids. And so um, I just I remember at that time, I just surrendered to the Lord about it. And I asked him to just um, use me in any way that I could be used uh, to be able to reach kids for him. Um, growing up, I was an awkward, introverted kid. Um, I was a middle child. I have like very little trust in others. I had some few close friends that I would like open up to and be myself around, but usually I kept to myself. Um, my grandparents were very faithful to make sure that we went to a Bible-believing church, and they'd pick us up on Sunday, and uh, we would have such a good time. We had Sunday school teachers that just took time to care about us and uh, teach us and just do fun things with us, and even as a kid, I just remember that impact that it made on my life. Um, and But it wasn't until we had uh, Bible school in the summer that I actually made that personal. And I had heard about the stories of Jesus and knowing that he died for me, and I knew that, but I just never had come to the place where I made it my own. And so I remember um, we had the week-long Bible school. It was so much fun. We did get games, crafts, activities. Um, but at the end of the night, they would bring us up to the sanctuary, and they would give us a Bible lesson. And I remember even as a 10-year-old just looking around and like we were in this giant sanctuary and there was like only three pews used. It was all kids and all these adults. And I remember even at that time just thinking what they have to say must be pretty important because they here's these caring adults that want to be here uh, to teach us all week, you know, every night here we are. Um, and so they gave the message that night and it was about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I remember hearing that story before, but this was the first time that it made a lot of sense to me. And um, they, you know, had decided to go on with worshiping God, even though they knew that they were going to be thrown into the fire. And that's when it became real to me uh, that I had never actually put my faith in the Lord to save me. And so I knew that that same God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could be the God that would save me. And so that was the night that I had asked the Lord to save me. Um, and I just remember knowing that um, he was going to be the leader of my life. And I knew as I grew up that I wanted to work with kids and I wanted to be that um, that person, you know, that I didn't have until later, uh, that trusting adult that I could go to and 
And so just having the opportunity to be part of the Good News Kids um, just puts me in mind of my 10-year-old self. I mean, I want to be there for those kids so that they can come into eternity with us. And um, we experienced some difficult times in 2020 when things had to shut down. And that was probably the hardest time for all of us. We were heartbroken and we couldn't even finish a couple of our Good News Kids because the Bible clubs had to stop. And so when the schools shut down, and I remember just realizing at that time what a privilege it was to have that ministry and to be in the school sharing the gospel. And so that was kind of just turned into prayer. And so our family just turned that into prayer. We just prayed that God would just open those doors back up or just use whatever he needed to use to get us to be able to reach those kids. And, and then God was faithful and he opened it back up. And uh, he didn't only just open it back up the way it was before, but uh, he abundantly blessed it, and now we have even more schools that we're in. So um, I just want to encourage you, if you're uh, just on the edge of getting involved in a ministry and you're not sure, um, you know, God could use me, this introverted, awkward person, to be able to get up in front of people and teach. Um, he can use me too. So I just encourage you to just trust him and follow him because, you know, it's a privilege to be a part of his work, and he could do it any other way, but he uses us. And that's, that's what's awesome. <clears throat> okay, so yeah, that was uh, Kimmy Miller. Um, she's the director of our Good News Kids. And Kimmy's been faithful in our children's ministry for a long time. And her love for kids and her desire to see them come to know the Lord has, um, has been evident. And so this past year, uh, I asked her to, to be the Good News Kids director. So she oversees our uh, clubs in schools. We're in six local schools now. And uh, we've just recently started up the VBS type style, what we call Bible camp throughout the summer. And she oversees that as well and uh, has been doing an, an incredible job. Uh, so, so thankful for her. But my name is Craig Warner. I'm the kids pastor at First Baptist Church uh, in New Philadelphia, Ohio. Uh, thank you guys for being here. This is awesome. Um, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I say this a lot. I, I think children's ministry is the most important ministry there is. Uh, and I'll fight anybody that says otherwise. And so to see this many people here is uh, is really a blessing, and I'm excited about that. But uh, let me just first say thank you uh, to Andrew uh, for for leading this and and, and organizing all this uh, last year and this year as well. Uh, I'm so grateful to get to be here again. I got to bring my wife Katie uh, with us this year, uh, and so uh, Sans kids. So we are uh, really enjoying our time at Mission Focus this year. So. Uh, but pray for my kids. They're at home with my parents sick. So, um, but, uh, but really it is a blessing. And so um, I've been serving at First Baptist Church uh, on staff since 2005. Um, and I, I grew up going to First Baptist Church. And so over the years, variety of ministries and uh, the most recent one in 2014, I took over our children's uh, ministry, and um, it's my favorite one so far. So, uh, and I think it'll be tough to beat. But I kind of went from high school. I, I did college age, I did uh, high school ministry, and now I'm kids ministry. So I think my next step will be loop back around and be leading our senior citizens uh, life group. Um, and uh, so, looking forward to that next chapter, whenever that may come. Um, but the way that uh, when we were talking about doing these three days, the, the way that uh, Andrew had kind of decided to lay it out and I think it's great. It's just, uh, I think you see it in your, uh, in your, in your uh, schedule there, but it's, it's all about kind of investing inward, um, outward, and upward. And so the way that that came about was really when we just take a look at uh, the work that God has left us to do, the work of the Lord, um, we, we, really, we really see that. And so the way it's structured is what we would see in, in John 17. So if you guys have your Bibles, you want to flip over, open to John 17 real quick. Uh, if you're on your phones, if you want to flick to John 17. Um, and uh, let's just take a look at a couple of things that will really, I think, set us up for the next few days uh, as we get an idea of what this structure is going to be. But what we see here in this prayer that, that, uh, that Jesus is praying to his Father, um, we, we see the work of the Lord uh, laid out. And um, the first thing that we see is, uh, is evangelism. Uh, and actually, Andrew's going to be talking about that more uh, tomorrow, but if you if you just look at verse six there real quick, he says, "I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world; thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word." And so the first thing we see is is where where Christ is manifesting God's name to the world, and so he he's there's this outreach proponent um, or this this portion of it, and so we would call that evangelism, where we we want to reach kids. 
And, and really, we'll see why that's so important to reach them while they're kids. Uh, the other thing that we see is, is edification, the, other, the, other, the second part of the work of the Lord, and that's found in verse 8, so just a couple verses down. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And edification is just, you know, for, for, for our purposes, is teaching children the Bible. We're going we're gonna to teach God's word to kids. And, says, and they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. And so edification in any context is just using God's word to build others up. And so for our context, we're going to look at uh, edifying children. That's what we're going to talk about a little more um, today. And then the third part is, is equipping. And so if you jump down 10 verses to verse 18, it says, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them, referring to his uh, disciples, sent them into the world. And so Christ is then sending out those that he has invested in. He's, he's equipped them to go and to continue the work as well. And certainly that's our hope and our prayer for the kids that we minister to is that someday they'll continue that work, but maybe even more um, immediate and urgent is the way that we equip um, the volunteers that, that do that. And so Gordon's going to be addressing some of that on Saturday as well, just the importance in, of investing in your team. Because truly, um, you know, I don't know how many of you are, um, you know, volunteers in a class or have some sort of leadership in ministry, but, but children's ministry does not happen without volunteers. Um, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen. And so it's so crucial that we equip them to do uh, the work. And so that's just kind of the way that, that these three sessions are going to uh, break down to, to some degree. And um, I believe that the work that God has left us to do is the most important work that we can do, especially when it comes to our kids, uh, not just because that's the work that he has for us, but it's also because there is someone that is against the work, right? We have someone who is trying to stop what God is trying to do. We have an enemy who is actively against uh, the work of the Lord. And, and that's obviously Satan. And, and the, the verse that I always go to, especially when we're talking about kids, uh, refer, when, when it describes Satan is 1 Peter 5, 8. And this is probably a familiar one for you. But it tells us to be sober, to be vigilant. And truly, those, those two you know, admonitions are, are so important today because we, we need to be awake. We need to be looking out because the enemy is so subtle in deceiving our kids and influencing our kids. And we see it every day in the world that we live in. But it goes on to say, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And I honestly believe that it's obviously no coincidence, uh, as if there is such a thing in God's word, that he refers to our enemy as a lion. Because when we look at nature, what we know about lions are the first things that a lion preys on are the weak and the young, right? And so we have an enemy that's out there that's seeking to devour our children. And so we need to be sober. We need to be vigilant. We need to make sure that in our churches, in our homes, in our lives, we are doing the work that God has left us to do because our enemy is actively against us, trying to accomplish that. And so that brings us to what I specifically want to talk about um, today, and, and that is edifying our kids, the edification of our, of our children. And, and so to, to kick this off, um, I want us to look at what I believe is the, the mission of, of every ministry. Uh, God has has given us a mission to accomplish. He doesn't leave that up to ourselves to figure out or, you know, to think what, what's, the, what's the best way that we should do this or could do this, uh, but he's given it to us. And, and uh, it's in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, right? The great commission. And Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And now I know it may be uh, a little cliche uh, to use um, this passage at mission focus, um, but uh, what I want us to see is that while, you know, we say, what, what, what do we say the Great Commission is? It's to make disciples, right? Uh, you know, we say it all the time, and that is that is true, but you know that we, can, we can't find that phrase anywhere in Scripture to, to go and make disciples. And so while we look at the Great Commission, it's, it's true that making disciples is the result of the Great Commission. But these, these verses are not about the what, but the how. Because according to Matthew 28 in, in the Great Commission, 
how are we going to make disciples? By teaching them, right? I mean, that's what a disciple is, right? It's a student, it's a pupil, it's, 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 it's you know, it's someone that, that has a teacher. And so we have this mission to teach. And I believe that the Great Commission begins with our children. And that is because we have the biblical responsibility to teach our children. And we see that that's how we accomplish the Great Commission. It's through teaching. Now, we only have our children for a short time, right? I mean, they're only kids for a while. And uh, if you kind of look on the scale of their life, they're only under our care for the first portion of that. And compared to the life that they'll live outside of our homes, um, it, is a, it is a short time. Um, and in that short time, we literally have the opportunity to set the direction for not just the rest of their lives on this earth, but, but their eternity, right? And so in this one area of teaching our kids, if we're faithful, then we set our children up for an existence of purpose and unspeakable joy and peace that passes understanding, which ends with the promise of everlasting life. And who doesn't want that for their kids, right? On this earth or, or in eternity to come. Yet if we fail in this area, we risk leading our kids down a path that is filled with woe and heartache, and that potentially ends with the eternal damnation of their souls. And I don't want to be overly dramatic, but um, God Almighty has charged us to teach his word to our children. He's entrusted us with that ministry, and we have the unique privilege and responsibility to shape the children in our care by what we teach them. We saw this in the Great Commission, and it's what God has commanded us, right? He says, go and, and teach them whatsoever I have commanded you, right? It, it's, it's, it's his word. We've been commissioned to go and to teach them God's word. And, and we see this over and over again in Scripture, this command to, to teach our children specifically God's word. I want us to look in just one, one book, a few places in Deuteronomy. Um, we'll go through these quickly, so if you just want to write the reference down, that's, that'd be great. Uh, but Deuteronomy 4.10, uh, it says, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children, right? So there's this point where, where they're all standing before the Lord, and he wants, he wants them to hear his word, but not just to hear his word, but to teach their children his word also. And, and we didn't read it, but in verse 9, and this is something that we see over and over again, in verse 9, it, it, it talks about them first making it personal in their own lives. You see, for us to be effective teachers of God's word to our children, whether it's the ones in our home or in our church, we first have to make it personal in our own lives. We have to apply God's word in our own life. We would be poor teachers if we didn't. Um, and so we need to see uh, a few things here. He, he says that I want them to learn to fear me, right? So when we teach God's word, we want our kids to learn. And so we have to be clear when we teach God's word. But it's, he goes on to fear me all thy days. So it's not just something we have to be clear about, but we, it needs to be compelling, right? If we, if we are too um, soft, I guess, in teaching kids God's word, then, you know, they're not, they're not, it's not something that they're going to fear. They're not going to come to the point where they fear the Lord. We need to be clear and compelling in the way that we teach our kids God's word. Jump over a couple of chapters to Deuteronomy 6. <clears throat> verses, um, uh, verses six and seven. It says, and these words, which I command thee this day, I want you to notice this again. It says, shall be in thine heart. There's that principle again. We have to make it personal in our own lives. But these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. 
So not only do we need to be clear when we teach God's word, not only do we need to be compelling when we teach God's word to our children, but we need to teach God's word consistently. Because verse 7 says, thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Right? We have to keep at it. This is just the nature of children, right? Anything that we tell our kids, if we are not consistent, if we're not diligent, they, they forget very quickly, right? For those of you with kids, you're like, seriously, how many times do I have to tell this kid? You know, whatever, whatever the thing is, okay? You, you, you laugh, but it's true, okay? And so all the more reason for us to be diligent, to be consistent in teaching God's word, because if they don't get this, man, we are, we are failing our kids. So we have to be consistent. A little later on in Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 19. Therefore shall ye lay up these, my words, look again, in your heart and in your soul, make it personal, and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes, and ye shall teach them your children. Speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. We, we saw that phrasing uh, in Deuteronomy 6. But uh, again, before these verses here in verse 16, he's warning them against turning aside to other gods. In verses 22, he, he's, he's asking them to, to walk in his way, and it says, so that they would cleave unto him. Right? So we want our kids to, to cleave unto the Lord, and we do that by teaching, teaching them God's word. And here's the way that we have to do it, especially when it comes to our, to our ministries. We need, to we need to value engagement over entertainment. Value engagement over entertainment. Because we have not been commissioned by Almighty God to entertain our children. We have been commissioned by the Lord to engage them with God's word. What we teach must engage the child. This is going to be key to getting our kids to make their faith their own. We need to pull them into a relationship with God, get them engaged with the Word of God. And there are all kinds of methods and techniques to make this happen, right? So if, if you're familiar at all with teaching kids, there's, there's three main types of, 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 of learning. There's audible, visual, kinetic, or you know, getting them to move around. Uh, you can use props, storytelling, games, activities, crafts, etc. Um, I, I wasn't able to stick around for all of Mission Focus last year, but I believe Danny covered uh, some of that. Danny Holmes had some, some great input on, on those types of techniques. Um, we can't just relay information to kids. We have to engage them. We have to engage them. We can't get that confused with entertaining them, okay? Because, again, that's not our goal. Entertaining kids is just keeping them happy and occupied while we wait for mom and dad to return. Entertainment puts the emphasis on the satisfaction of the child instead of the child's interaction with God. And to be honest, kids are entertained enough, right? Church should be the place that sticks out in their minds because they are engaged. There's something that they're pulled into. And, and here's what, here's what I, uh, you know, we think there's a lot of value in us kind of um, sharing ideas and, and Q&A. So, uh, hopefully at the end of this uh, time, we'll have some some time for, for that. But what I would love for you guys to think about now before we get to that point is what are some ways that you engage kids with God's word uh, in your church or in your class or, or whatever context it is? Uh, maybe you can share some of that with, with all of us because I think there's a lot of value in us, um, you know, pulling together and sharing those things. So think about that. How does your church do this with the children that, that they're entrusted with? But we, we can't entertain our kids. And because, quite honestly, we can't compete with the world's entertainment, right? We don't have the time, the energy, or certainly the budget to compete with Disney, Hasbro, Fortnite, or whatever the kids are playing these days. And, and again, that's not our goal anyway. Now, let me clarify this, though. This, this, this doesn't mean that we can be boring, okay? Um, so there's a children youth ministry, uh, class coming up, but is it uh spring, right? Right. Is it, it's coming up the spring, right? Okay. Yeah. So there's, um, uh, Bo Green's book under construction, living faith books has put out a great resource. If you've never read it, make sure you get a copy of it. I don't know if they have copies here or not, but, um, that's going to be one of the required reading for that class. But he, he talks about this, right? It's the cardinal sin of children's ministry to make 
the Bible boring, okay? This doesn't mean that we can be boring. We can engage kids and have fun. In fact, for kids, those are often the same thing. But we get off target when we make fun our end instead of the means to an end. We have all kinds of tools at our disposal to inspire participation of the child. And let's be honest, church gets less fun the older you get, right? Games and snacks go out the window in big church. You have to sit quietly for an hour or so. And uh, we only have that, we only have snack time like once a quarter. What's, what's that called? What do we do? What's that called? Communion. Yes, communion. We only have, we only have snack time. Every once in a while, we call it communion, right? And they give you just these little things, little, little juice, okay? Sorry, that's stupid. But listen, it's so key that we put this effort into engaging kids with God's word while they're young, while they're kids. And so I want us to see why it is so important that we teach them while they're young. Proverbs 19.18 says this, chasten, and chasten is just a, a kind of a combination of instruction and correction. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. You understand that there's, there's a greater hope of laying that foundation in a child's life while they're young. Because again, the older they get, the more set they get in their ways, and they're not open to what God has for them. In fact, you know, we, we see this idea of teaching our kids, our children while they're young in scripture all over, but there's research that actually backs this up. One of the other books that'll, that's recommended reading, I think, in um, the children's and youth ministry class is uh, Transforming Children into Spiritual Champions by George Barna. Have you guys ever read that book or, or heard of it? Another great resource that uh, has opened my eyes. When I took the class years ago, uh, this book really shaped uh, a lot of, of how I view our responsibility in children's ministry at First Baptist Church. But, but let me just read you a few excerpts from there just to, to see that, you know, uh, Barna is a great research organization. They have a lot of research to back things up. These statistics are a little older, uh, but I would assume that, that a lot of them would still apply today. Um, but they, they see that by the age of 13, your spiritual identity is largely set in place. The age of 13. So just as they're leaving children's ministry. So our children's ministry is fifth grade down. Um, and then we have middle school, and then we have high school, All right? So around that time that they've just left our ministry into the middle school ministry, their spiritual identity is largely set in place. Let me read this one uh, to you. Research regarding all facets of moral and spiritual development, whether related to worldview, beliefs, or behavior, shows that such development starts as early as age two. So the way our church is structured. We have our nurseries, which goes birth through toddlers, and then they, they move across the hallway to what we call our preschool classes, and that's age two. So as soon as they move across the hallway uh, into our preschool classes out of the nursery, their, their spiritual development begins. Such development starts as early as age two. The process then progresses rather quickly. Social scientists have known for years that the moral foundations of children are generally determined by the time the individual reaches age nine. Okay, let me read that again. They have known for years that the moral foundations of children are generally determined by the time the individual reaches age nine. That's third grade. Okay, so if we don't get in there early, their foundations are laid and they begin to solidify and we've missed an incredible opportunity. Barna goes on to say, our research confirms a parallel outcome in a spiritual dimension. By age nine, most children have their spiritual moorings in place. The implication of these findings is clear. Anyone who wishes to have significant influence on the development of a person's moral and spiritual foundations had better exert that influence while the person is still open-minded and impressionable. In other words, while the person is still young. In other words, back to Proverbs 19.18, while there is hope. Research, another a short excerpt. Research and data and personal experience inform us that it's far easier to have influence before the foundations are firm. The older a person gets, the more difficult it is for him or her to replace existing moral and spiritual pillars. 
Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is what? When he is old, he will not depart from it. You see, we're commanded to train up a child, not a young adult, not a teenager, not a tween, not even an adolescent, but a child. Train up a child in the way he should go. Why? Because he's going to grow up. And when he becomes old, if you have laid the foundation correctly, he won't depart from that. We have to keep this in mind that our training and our teaching is not just for now. Certainly has implications for kids and it has benefits for kids. But it's not just for now, but in time to come when our children are no longer directly under our care. And this is where we need to, if we don't have this perspective, we need to, we need to get this perspective. That we're not just teaching children. We're teaching future adults, future husbands and wives, future fathers and mothers, employers, employees, citizens, leaders, politicians, pastors, missionaries. Could you imagine what we'd be able to accomplish if, if we had that perspective switch when it comes to teaching our kids the Bible on a Sunday morning that we call Sunday school? It's not entertaining. It's not babysitting. We are laying the foundations for our future world. A time will come in every child's life that they must decide what to do with what we taught them. Will they make it their own or will they cast it aside? How many of you have worked in uh, youth ministry, like student ministry, or have any experience or have had a teenager? God bless you. Right? So, uh, so I worked in, 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 in student ministry for a little while, and, you know, so I tried to keep up on the, uh, the statistics, and, and you can find a range of statistics, but if we kind of split the difference, we'll say 70%. They have found that 70% of high school graduates walk away from their faith when they graduate high school, and the reason that they believe that is because they never made their faith their own. They piggybacked off their parents, off their youth pastor, or they showed up to get entertained. Okay, there's going to come a time. There's going to come a time in our ch children's lives where they have to make it their own, or they're going to cast it aside. So, with that in mind, I want us to look at an interesting phrase just to kind of wrap things up here, that pops up a few times um, in Scripture, and it's 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 usually around uh, teaching our kids something, um, and it's this phrase in time to come. So if you ever, if you have, you know, if you have a, a e-sword or, you know, some sort of, you can kind of do that, search for that phrase, and you'll see it several times, but there's three distinct times that I want us to look at where it talks about in time to come. So in other words, we're, we're preparing for this future event, for this time to come in our children's lives, and we have to be intentional about what we teach them about God's word, and we'll see this in the Old Testament, and actually it's, uh, uh, it was, it was pretty cool, I was surprised, but Last night I got the study sheet, you know, for Mike and um, for those of you that were that were that were here. And he was in Joshua four, and I was like, "Oh shoot, I'm going to be talking about Joshua four. But um, I think it's great because even so far, just between these um, last night and this morning, we've seen this thread uh, that's kind of been throughout his messages in some form or another, and uh, and even in the panel today. But just this this idea of teaching our kids uh, God's word. Um, but but here's what we'll see in in these. Uh, in these examples, that we need to live in such a way and teach our kids in such a way that they're going to be brought to this point in time to come, that they're going to ask, you know, what does this have to do with me? Or they're going to be faced with the decision to make it their own or to cast it aside. The first, uh, the first time that we see it pop up in this context is um, uh, in Exodus 13. And, uh, you know, they're laying out the Feast of Unleavened Bread, okay? And I just think it's interesting. We'll, we'll see this for each point. But there's something that they should abstain from. We need to teach our kids there's some things that they need to abstain from, right? Uh, we know leaven in Scripture. There's a couple things that it can represent. What's, what's one of them? Sin, right? Sin or bad doctrine. I mean, I guess they go hand in hand. But, but we're looking at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and so there's something that they should abstain from. And so they're, they're laying out the Feast of Unleavened Bread, 
And then in verse 14, Exodus 13, 14, and it shall be when thy son asketh thee, okay, so they're living in such a way that not only is their kid recognizing it, but they're going to ask in time to come. So there comes a point in that child's life in time to come saying, what is this? Okay, so why do we do this? What, what is this tradition all about? Thou shalt say unto him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out from Egypt, from the house of bondage. There's something that we need to teach. We need to be faithful to teach our children. And that is that the Lord delivers you. From a young age, teach our kids that the Lord delivers the Lord delivers you so that in time to come when they ask, what, what is this all about, right? What does this have to do with me? You can talk about when the Lord delivered you. So obviously the example here is Israel being delivered from Egypt. And we know that's a picture of us being delivered from the bondage of our sin. We need to teach our kids that the Lord delivers you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Verse 9, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust, that he will yet deliver us. We need to teach our children that the Lord delivers that comes straight from God's word, right? One of the, one of the greatest examples, uh, I think, in the New Testament of, of these results is Timothy. 2 Timothy 3.15, and that from a what? From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto what? Does anybody know? Salvation. It's through your knowledge of the scriptures that you are wise unto salvation. And what is salvation? God's deliverance. For us from our sins. Another uh, more research that backs this up from, uh, uh, from Barna. We discovered that the probability of someone embracing Jesus as his or her savior was 32% for those between the ages of 5 and 12. I know throwing number, numbers out there and numbers are not my strong suit, uh, but read the book. You'll make more sense to you. Uh, 32% for those between the ages of 5 and 12, okay, so while they're in our children's ministry, basically. 4%, notice that, 32% drops to 4% for those in the 13 to 18 age range, and 6% for people 19 or older, okay, from, you know, that's quite the age range there, 19 or older. In other words, if people do not embrace Jesus Christ as their Savior, before they reach their teenage years, the chance of their doing so at all is slim. And so it is imperative that we teach our children that the Lord delivers you. The next time we see this phrase pop up is in Deuteronomy uh, 6. And these are uh, kind of Moses' final words uh, to Israel. But while we saw from the example of uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, there's something to abstain from. Uh, here we see that there's something that we should obey. Deuteronomy 6, 20 through 25. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, there's the phrase again, okay? So again, they're living in such a way that their kids notice, and at some point in the future, in that child's life, they have to ask, what does this have to, have to do with me? When thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, what mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you, right? So why are we always talking about these things? Why are we always talking about these statutes and judgments. Why are we talking about God's word, what he's commanded us? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, we were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God and for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. 
So not only do we have to teach our children that the Lord delivers you, but we have to teach our children that the Lord directs you. He also directs you. And we, we see this in the progress and the progression of these events in Israel's life as a nation, right? They were delivered from bondage. And then while they're in the wilderness here, they're going through all these commands that God has given them. So not only does he deliver you, but he gives you the instruction that you need to be able to continue to make it through the wilderness, to be obedient. The Lord delivers you and the Lord directs you. We see this over and over again, right? This, this one should be an obvious one to us. Psalm 119.5, oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Proverbs 3.6, and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Proverbs 16.9, a man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. We have to teach our kids that God has instruction for you. He has direction for you. He's given us his word, and you need to apply it to your own life, your own lives. So the Lord delivers you, the Lord directs you, and then the third time that we see this phrase is in Joshua 4. Uh, he even read the verses last night, but we see, we see that the Lord develops you. The Lord develops you. He provides for you. He accomplishes things in you and through you. Right, So while they're walking through the wilderness, God led them by uh, a cloud during the day, fire by night. He fought their battles for them. He redirected them even to avoid certain battles. He fed them in the wilderness, right? Mike was uh, pointing all these things out last night. And then they, they, they get to this point where they're before the Jordan. They want to pass over the Jordan into the promised land that God has given them. And and we, we see this kind of, uh, there's, there's, there's two parts to this, right? So there's one generation that is completely wiped out, okay? God, they, they, they no longer exist. God said they won't make it. But then there's this second generation that has been developed by the Lord for this point. And they get to the Jordan. He makes them wait there for three days. Right. And, and we saw that it was it was uh, during the time of uh, it was the flood season. And so not only is the J Jordan raging, but it's flooded up. And so they're, they're realizing that there's nothing that we can do to get ourselves across this river. Right. There's nothing that we can do to get ourselves into the promised land, which is just a picture of spiritual maturity for us. But the Lord has has developed them up to this point. To where they can cross the Jordan, and then we see through the 12 memorial stones that there is something that they should remember. There's something they should abstain from, um, there's something that they should obey, and there's something that they should remember, and that is all that God has done in their life. Look at Joshua 4, 6 and 7, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, okay, here it is, it pops up again, we're going to live our lives in such a way that at some point in our children's lives, they're going to have to ask themselves, what does this have to do with me in time to come? We're not just teaching children. We're teaching future adults. They're going to ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean ye by these stones? Right? What are these stones here for? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. There will come a time when our children are no longer kids. They will be on their own. And they will have to look back and see from our lives that God has not only given them the direction that brought them to this place, but that he gives them the grace to get through it. There will come a time in the future when the children will see the stones, and those stones will point back to a time that God provided for them, that he was developing them. They can say, look what God has brought us through. And then they can remember all that God has done since that point. Right? They've seen walls fall. They've seen victory secured. They've seen the sun stand still. Our children need a pile of stone in their own lives that they can look back on and be confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So not only do our children need to know that the Lord delivers them and that he directs them, but he gives them what they need to be able to get through that, right? 
We need to teach our kids from a young age because there's going to come a point in time to come. There's going to come a point in the future where they have to ask for themselves, what does this mean for me? And if we're not faithful to teach them these things while they're young, then like 70% of high school grads, they're going to chuck it. They're going to cast it aside. If we don't set our kids up to find their way to spiritual maturity and take on a faith of their own, then we have failed them. We must be willing to put in the work to lay the foundation for our children. It is often thankless work. It is definitely hard work. But as I said before, it is the most important work. And I mean that. And there's probably some other breakout sessions here today that are saying the same thing about whatever they're teaching. But I honestly mean it and I believe it when I say what we teach our children is the most important thing. Because you know what we wouldn't need if we're faithful to teach our kids while they're young? We wouldn't need a conference. I'm not saying this against anybody. We wouldn't need a conference on church planning or on missions, right? To pull all these young people together because from a child, we've been teaching them that this is what God has called us to. We wouldn't need addiction recovery ministries if we're faithful to teach our children from a young age that that God is all you need. Christ supplies all that you need, right? We wouldn't need all these ministries that we have. And and listen, they're great things. First Baptist Church has those those things, right? We, 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 uh, We have youth ministries, we have college ministries, we have addiction recovery ministry, you know, and we're teaching these things all the time. But If we can get our children while they're young before that foundation is solid, man, we would just just have to try to keep up with everything that, that they're doing as they grow, right? And that's why what we teach our children is the most important work. Because what if from a young age, our children heard from us that in time to come, you can be a church planner. In time to come, you can move to the other side of the world and share the gospel as a missionary. In time to come, you can preach God's word before a church. You can teach God's word before a church. You can train leaders to go and to do the same, and so on and so forth. Now, they certainly have ministry that they can do now, right? But what if we began to to instill in them that that God has something greater for you? If If they, from now, begin to hear that they can be church planners, they can be missionaries, they can be pastors, they can be teachers, right? And, and what that does to when, it, when they, when once their foundation then is solid and firm, and that is what we have poured into that mold for them, it's the most important work there is. Now, fight anybody that says otherwise. So hopefully we can see the importance of of teaching our children the Bible. I know that that sounds like such a basic thing, but um, when I when I I try to keep a you know, finger on the pulse of what other churches you know do, and and I'm afraid that too often they're too caught up in entertaining their kids, right? That they miss this incredible opportunity to engage them with God's word. And and so I hope that's not the case for anyone here. And and hopefully we can take this, if nothing else, be encouraged by it and go and continue to do it in our churches. But what I would love to do is, is be able just to get some ideas from you guys or if there's any questions from, from what you've heard or even seen this morning through uh, the ministries that we get to do at First Baptist. Um, I'd like to take, I don't even know, I'm sorry, what time are we supposed to be out of here? Lunch is new. Well, we have to be out of here. I, will, I don't want to make anybody late to lunch. So we got about 20 minutes. Yes. I'm sorry, what's your name? Missy Bailey from Midtown, all right. So we are very blessed to have a lady in our church um, who teaches at the local vocational high school. They have adult education there as well. So I, I think hers would be more adult, um, but who's educated and in, in, in dealing with, you know, what we call them our special friends, um, kids who, who have some of those special needs. Uh, and so a lot of it uh, is on her shoulders. So what she'll do, um, is if we have someone who we, who we suspect, uh, you know, has um, some of those special needs, we'll ask her to go and observe them. Um, some of them are just kids that are, you know, bad kids. I mean, I don't know. they're just, you know, they're just not disciplined. Yes, yes, you know. And so, uh, but some of them obviously have some, some, some real needs. 
Um, so she'll go and observe them. And then uh, from there, if, if we think it's good for them. So we have a, we have a little guy that we actually haven't seen him for a while, but um, he wasn't, he, he didn't necessarily need to be on his own. He just needed to have someone with him all the time. And so, and so we would have a buddy for him that was just in there. So, you know, it's good for him to interact with those kids, but you know, he starts stealing their stuff and, you know, getting whatever. Uh, then they have someone that's going to intervene. Um, if it's severe enough, we have a room um, that they that they can use that's that's just for them. And so um, her name is Debbie. Um, so she's in, in years past, we've had kids that have been in that room. And so she'll she'll work with with them with certain things like they'll do a memory verse and stuff. It's going to be very limited. Um, her she views it more as a ministry to the parents than to uh, than to to the kids. Um, and so. Uh, so that's so that's what we're able to do. Again, we're very blessed um, with with her. But even Kimmy has she's an intervention specialist at school. And we have a few other uh, um, ladies like that in the church. So we're very blessed to be able to rely on them um, to do that. And we just try to provide either the volunteers that we need or the or the room that's required to take care of those kids. The ones that we rely on, but not necessarily like the buddy that will stick in the class, um, which, yes, which that falls on Debbie mainly, especially when they're younger. Uh, so that's mostly preschool. So once they're school age, we have a lot of educators and obviously, you know, those IEPs that schools and all that. And so they're usually aware of those things. Um, and so they they have experience with handling them. Um, so we just rely on the people that are gifted and gifted that way, have that experience. So, and then just try to provide whatever they, what they need. So like buddies aren't necessarily trained, uh, aren't professionally trained in that area, um, but they'll, they're just good with, with handling those kids. Yeah. Any questions or does anybody have any, anything specifically that they do to, to help engage kids with, uh, with God's word? One of the things that we tried to do, um, it kind of, it kind of came out of COVID is, uh, we well, we have what we call discipleship for kids, um, and it's it's something that we did then, uh, kind of in a rush, uh, and got it done for parents. Where we just we had we uh, Kimmy actually sorry I'm playing this stuff. <laughs> you guys are in splash zone up here. Um, uh, Kimmy wrote the preschool lessons, and and um, we had taken then really just the adult discipleship lessons and brought them to a kid level and. Um, gave those to parents uh, while, you know, everybody was stuck at home. And so we have those available on our church's website, uh, firstbaptist.church. You guys are welcome to take those and um, download them. I have some that don't have any of our branding on them, so you can modify them. I think um, anybody here from Oakland Heights? So I, th I think David took those and like ran. It was awesome. He's got like coloring sheets and everything. We don't have any of that. So um, uh, we, we tried to do that to help parents, right? We assume that parents want to do a good job in that area that they just don't know how and so we want to be able to partner with parents and so one of the ways that we did that was was through these lessons that we just kind of gave them and you know that again that was during covid um but those are out there for anybody does anybody else have anything that that they do yeah what's your name where you okay awesome yes And then just see how God has worked through all the kids' lives. Because sometimes our fourth and fifth graders especially think, oh, you know, our life is really hard. And it, it is. And then just see the sixth graders, the seventh graders, the junior hires give their testimonies. And say, you think your life's hard. Wait till you get to middle school. It's good. Um, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Because like kids that age, you know, I remember being elementary and like I went to a little school where, you know, kindergarten through 12th grade was all in one building. And you see those older kids and you just think they're like the coolest until you get there and you're like, oh, this is awful, you know, so. Uh, so it's great. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So to bring in those older kids that they truly look up to. Um, that's awesome. That's a that's a great. That's a great idea. Yes. What's your name? Where are you from? All right. Um, but just any suggestions on teaching kids with limited resources? Mm. How to engage um, without 
because it is kind of a fine line between engaging and entertaining. Yeah. And when you don't have resources available, you really are entertaining them. Um, and But how to get them to realize, you know, it's not just a story in a book. I'm not just reading you this mm -hmm. bedtime story. Mm -hmm. But that they get it and it clicks and how to get them to apply it. Because it's not something that the parents don't interact with them at home. So it's, you know. Right. Either chapel time at school or Sunday school. And right. Memorization and spitting it out. Yeah. So one of the things I that I would point to is is with, with limited resources, back to those three main ways of that kids learn. So audible, visual, and, and kinetic. Uh, and so trying to implement those in each way. And that can just be like sometimes when we do the memory verse, we just have them like hop on one leg and repeat. You know, it's just getting them moving while they're doing something else. And so, you know, those require very limited resources. So, and I'm sure that I would love to hear what other people have to say. Uh, but the other thing would be um, one of the ways that that I that we've seen that application uh, really um, see those kids make it personal is through uh, we do like a small group time. So that's what we've seen. So we've got we've we've had the chance to go do uh, put on some camps in New Mexico with uh, John Romero and some uh, Native American kids there. Uh, it's what we did in Albania. It's the way that we structured our uh, kids Bible camp. Uh, we'll have a teaching and then we have small groups um, that are consistent for the week. Then everybody's you know in the same. And so when their parents at you know at home maybe aren't following up with it for them to have. Uh, an adult that cares like Kimmy even mentioned in her video that cares about them makes a huge difference. Um, truly just loving that kid. So again, no resources required other than that adult, you know what I mean? Um, and so, uh, so there's the, there's the, I guess the scientific side, the way that kids learn and just incorporating those uh, some way or another, but then there's what I would, you know, the spiritual side, I guess, where they have someone that truly loves them, cares about them, and they just talk about those, um, you know, just talk about what they learned and how that can apply to their own lives. And when they hear that from someone, it's not just a speaker up on, you know, say on stage, I don't even know what your setup's like, I guess. Uh, but it's not just some speaker teacher, uh, but it's someone that they, they, they see every week, they look forward to seeing every week, that they know loves them and cares about them. To hear it from them makes a way bigger difference. Uh, but any, anything else to, to add with that? What's your name? Where are you from? Anderson, Richard Pace's Summit. All right. So that, that kinesthetic, the interactive nature. Uh, I haven't taught as much as I used to um, in our little ministry, but I'm overseeing it now. And one of the ways I remember, like, we were going through Acts, the book Acts, and we would look it out. And it was amazing how much it seemed like more was retained that way. And so that they could, once they acted out and they had to think through what it was like, you know, to escape a prison, right? You walk them through that. It was a lot of fun, but they also retained it as well. And it seemed like that was always just really productive. Um, Escape from prison. That was at the Shawshank Redemption lesson. Yeah. Uh, no, th no, that's awesome. So, like, so the thing, like, with that, we have some teachers that do an incredible job of that. Is then you need to be prepared then to like reteach it a little bit. You know what I mean? Because it's going to be goofy, yeah. you know, whatever. But yeah, have them act it out. You know, they'll. They won't forget when that one kid was was a talking donkey or you know whatever. And so, uh, those are great. Oh yeah, that's oh that's hilarious. Parents won't forget that either. I was church today, Johnny. Great, I got stoned, Mom. Personally, man, I, I tell stories. That's like my kid town gifting. That's Jeanette told me that when I was still just a helper. She's like, hey, you you lean into the storytelling because that's what gets you connected with these kids. 
And so now we plan all the lessons and there are times on a Sunday where our total resource list is just the snacks we're having because mm-hmm. the activity is, is human not where they just mm. hold hands and mix up and try and make a circle. And I put aside 10 minutes to tell the Bible story and mix it with a, a real life story of maybe, you know, someone living faith. But if you don't have any physical resources, then the resource you have to make use of is planning. Mm-hmm. And if you've got an hour with the kids, maybe plan for an hour and 20 minutes worth of stuff. And if there's always a next thing and the kids know where they're going and they, and they know that you are engaging with them on purpose, not just watching them as a, because it's your job, but Hey, I've got a goal to get you to a certain place at the end where we just had a discussion about spiritual matters when mom and dad comes to pick you up so that we can pass that conversation off to mom and dad or have it with mom and dad. Then that's, that's a much more, you know, that's way more vital than having bouncy houses or having, you know, what is it, kids' minute dodgeballs or whatever it might be that a kids' ministry would like love to have. Yeah. Probably not bouncy houses or dodgeballs, though. <laughs> Some insurance uh, issues there. Yeah, we had to get rid of our bouncy house. Like getting kids to get them to buy the mission is like them retelling the story. Or like, you know, you can have to act it out or you can even say, can you tell me like how Paul might have felt in that time or something like that? You know, engage them both physically, emotionally, intellectually. And so if they have to act it out or, you know, engage those things, but even having them teach somebody else. So if you have bigger kids, little kids, like those testimonies, right? And, um, but I, I love, I love how the Lord has worked where i went through and studied something out for mom's group and then I'm teaching it and I'm saying it out loud and then I'm like oh my gosh I'm crumbling right now because God's telling me what I was supposed to learn through this at that exact moment so it's really cool when you get to voice it then it's cool how it can go deeper into our hearts and that's a that, there's no engagement in that I mean no resources needed and then also having them buy the mission so giving jobs right like this is your job this Sunday and Andrew's been really great about that, right? Like there's a kid checking in at the door and there's a kid helping with announcements and kids helping with songs and giving them a job to do within the ministry that they're physically serving other people because then we're just going to build them up that this is the structure of the church that every member is a minister. I'm not as familiar with it. I'm sure Midtown can speak to it more, but... Um... That would be similar to probably the Discovery Bible methods, right? Using even some of that in. Uh, actually, I think I got that from from you when we were talking one time. Just what you guys do. So, like, we have a midweek that I would love for us to be more intentional about uh, in the way that we um, invest in the kids. And so, one of the I think the simplest way would be like, all right, here's our story for tonight. You know, read it, have the kids read it. You know, what gauge their understanding. Uh, you know, are, are they completely out there? And then, but then help them see how to apply it as well, which is, which is uh, the, the main, the two main things when it comes to the small group time is you want to engage kids understanding and, uh, and then help them to apply it as well. And so, um, but I, so those discovery Bible method, um, I think would be great, a great tool for children's, you know, if depend on what level they're at, you know, if they can't read, maybe not the best, maybe not the best idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I don't, you're on your own then. That sounds awful. I do teach a chapel time at one of our church schools every week on Friday. So there's around 20 to 30 kids, again, from like two years old up to third, fourth, fifth grade. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I don't know. Gonna, I was gonna say you're gonna have to you have to you have to seek the Lord on that. But de- but depending on depending on um, those older kids, you know, uh, ooh, Stacy, Stephanie, like Stephanie mentioned, um, having those older kids even teach the younger kids, you know, if you can trust them with that. But uh, I think that'd be another great great idea. Kids every Sunday, 20 to 30, one teacher. How do you run a kids' ministry? <laughs> <laughs> Ready, go. <laughs> uh. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we have no idea how to do that. Doing the Bible story. Um, sometimes I use felt boards. Uh, trying to find games. Just the, you know, like this week, what did we do? The armor of God, like we brought in, had someone bring over, like, you know, kids' armor, classic things, and letting them see it and having someone put it on and they're like, oh, this is what this means and this is what this means. Reading through it and understanding, you know, it's not like, me actually putting on armor, but it's something that I have to do. Yeah. You know, spiritually, not physically, I don't put it on. Um, but just different things. Yeah, but but there's different, I think because they're so used to just memorizing, it's memorizing and spitting it out. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really hard getting them to make that connection mm -hmm. that it's not just it's not just, not just a story I read. But getting them to actually realize yeah. it is real. Yeah. Well, nothing else. Let's just pray for Jerry. I think we can do that. Yes, he's not back here. Yes, ma'am. Hey, what was your name? Who are you from? Okay. All right, sweet. Uh, anything else? It's a, it's about lunchtime. Right? Anything? Does everybody know where you're going to lunch? I think so. Yeah. Don't, ask Don't ask me. Don't ask me. Well, hey, let me uh, let, let me pray and then uh, and then we'll be dismissed. All right. Uh, Lord, we come to you this uh, well this this afternoon, this morning, and uh, Lord, we just uh, we just thank you for uh, for your word and the privilege it is to invest it in anyone, uh, but especially uh, for those of us here, Lord, the uh, the privilege and responsibility it is to invest it in our children. And so, God, I pray that you would find us faithful in that, and we pray that the the fruit from that uh, would be uh, glorifying to you, and that it would result in more fruit, um, and uh, and that someday, Lord. We'll we'll be able to uh, to stand before you or um, and really be able to see the impact that that our children's ministries have been able to have um, because of uh, the the work and the faithfulness of of these people here. And so, um, just pray for all the churches that are represented here, all the volunteers that are represented here, all the kids that are represented here, and just ask for you to do a work in them and through them. Uh, specifically, want to pray for uh, for Jerry and and the kids that she's ministering to. Um, in Kenya, and just ask that um, you would just give her supernatural grace and um, energy and uh, everything that's required to be effective with ministering to those kids. And, and we do pray for those kids in their hearts, that they would be open and receptive to your word, to your gospel. Uh, Lord, we would see you work there uh, in and through her. So we just lift these things up to you. Uh, we pray these things in your name. Amen. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.